0: Robert England here, aka Freddy Krueger. This is Burning for Springwood.
1: Oh, folks! This is burning for Springwood. Uh, you're, 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 I guess not quintessential because this has been done before by other podcasters, but uh, it's our, our, our version of saying, you know, we watch these phrase numbers episodes, so you don't have to. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, with me tonight. Um, but beside me in this boiler room, it gets very hot, you know. But uh, Mister Mike Merriman's here. How you doing, sir?
0: Doing well uh every holiday has an elm street so we're here
1: Uh, yeah freddy claus bringing bringing some goodies and i i'll I'll say both these episodes are not terrible so uh, i'm gonna go with that but uh with us as usual is our our second co-host in this this magic carpet ride until uh it's it's over is uh suzanne how you doing
2: uh greetings hope everyone had a nice christmas and we can survive the rest of the holiday season in one piece.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, we're here tonight. It's been a long time since we've done this, but we are on episodes 19 and 20 of the first season, and um, we're gonna kick it off with episode 19, premiered May 6, 1989, called "Missing Persons." Gina's having an adventure in Baby City.
2: It's a horror show.
1: Because these little devils bring out the animal in her.
0: Rolly, polly, fat and ugly. So she's satisfying her ravenous appetite. No one
2: leaves until I'm full.
0: By cooking up a little finger food. You are who you eat Indeed. on the next Freddy's Nightmares. <laughs>
2: From now on, your Saturday night will be a real scream
1: uh your cheapo plot synopsis of this a college student played by an actress called Eva Larue who's in a lot of soap operas apparently with past weight problems goes back to her childhood house to babysit two children who love junk food um yeah the second part cuz you know this is one of those things where it takes the guy and they think they think it's the father of the kids <laughs> yeah a man Timothy Bottoms, who's been in tons of stuff, soon regrets regrets his wish of spending a day in the life of another person. And um, this is decent. The, the, well, the first part's better than the second part. But I'll kick it to Suzanne first and ask her what she thought of missing persons.
2: I disagree. I think the second part was so much better than the first because that was like seriously the the whole overeating thing was such a thing in the late 80s or all of the 80s. And I don't know, it was just for me, it it was just, it, the first part didn't do anything for me. Me, I kind of enjoyed, I really enjoyed the second part of a guy who wants to be in someone else's shoes for another day and, you know, slowly realizing what he's actually missing out on. But if you took a look at his family, honestly, dying in that car crash probably would have been the best thing for him. I didn't dislike this Episode as a whole, I just didn't think the transition was is, and I'm using this term very loosely. Smooth as some of the other ones have been. I I guess I just get really tired of the whole, you know, overeating and fat phobic, you know, misogyny of the '80s. It's one of those things I've never liked it. I think it's it's ridiculous. And, you know, Kate Moss in the 80s drove, I don't know how many people to Anorexia. But yeah, I kind of, and honestly, Timothy Bottoms is always a superb actor in everything he's in. And this, and, uh, you know, he just, he, 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 Timothy Bottoms literally is one of those character actors that does Timothy Bottoms. But yeah, all of it, you know, half of this is good. The other half, not so good. There's not a whole lot more to add to that. I kind of found the situations in that kind of funny, but all in all, it's not a, a horrible episode. But I think one, the second half is stronger than the first. I'll leave it there.
0: Fair enough, Mike. All right. So the first episode, or I, I should say the first half, because I don't, I don't even know if I ever have mentioned it on um, the show, <laughs> despite all the episodes that we've done so far, as that. When I watched it as a kid, I I didn't even remember the fact that like the second half of these hour long episodes would most times take a character and somehow um, integrate them into the second half of the episode with a totally different story. Um, I mean, that's probably just a product of me seeing it at such a young age that because I don't remember many of the episodes, period. But with that said, this at least this first half of the episode is one I actually do remember and i think it's because of the the phrase they keep saying in it or the roly-poly fat ugly thing like i just remember that um kid saying that to her and uh yeah i, I thought th- this this episode was actually pretty good i mean I, I the whole you know babysitter being terrorized scenario is something uh as horror fans we're probably all familiar with um they had a little bit of the talking food gag, and we we brought it up before recording that Tales from the Dark Side did something similar. Except in the Tales from the Dark Side, I believe the food was designed well. Actually, I think it was like an earpiece the person put in, or glasses, or something that would make them think the food was talking to them, saying "Don't eat." Where this one, the it was I think it was like her own just delusion making the food tell her to eat, to eat it and finish them off, saying, hey, why are you calling us junk food? We, you know, you love us and all that stuff. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I love, you know, the kids were little hellions in this. Um, as soon as the parents left, we got, like, the Switch of the daughter saying, like, how it was going to be. And then, of course, the brother would just chime in with, damn straight, both times. <laughs> we did get a cameo from the actual Super Mario Brothers video video game this must have been you know back before they would just like design like a fake video game to have kids playing but the actual super mario brothers um game was good than this one the second half uh, it was interesting kind of where they went with it um at first i was like is this just an excuse to put the babysitter's character like na- almost naked in it not that i was complaining because She's pretty hot. Not, I'll admit that. And, but, but, um, oh yeah, no, I, I meant to say, or I meant to, before I even got to that, I believe it's the end of the first part of the episode. Um, it's almost like they time travel back because then it's like she's babysitting her younger self almost. And then her younger self is plotting to eat her. And then she's like, oh, but I'll read Hansel. Like it was a weird ending. Like, to figure out what exactly was going on there. But this show kind of does that a lot. And then the second part, yeah, we get the, the dad from the first one. He's like living a different life. Cause I think he said like, don't you just want to wake up and wish you were someone else or something? I think that's what triggered it. Cause at first I was like, well, what the hell was actually triggering this kind of like second life. But uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I think I'm with Gary on this one where the, I thought the first half was better, but Overall, I still found it to be a fun episode. Maybe it's the nostalgia of actually remembering some of this one that is boosting it up for me. But overall, I had a fun time with it.
1: Yeah, I, I remember back now that I watched this before you guys did, I think, and you know, the whole second part of the episode to where he, he gets in the accident and I guess he falls asleep from the accident and, of course, his family is as st- stressful as hell because... and. He he has a fantasy, of course, in his dream that he's wakes up and he is somebody else. He's like this this gangster type character, I guess you would call it, because he's he's embroiled in all these dirty people and crime now, and you know, not knowing why this is, it kind of reminds you of um <clears throat> more of an old school Twilight Zone episode, to where you get put in somebody else's shoes. There's actually uh, there's actually one called Dead Man's Shoes, to where the guy puts on the shoes that he becomes that person and this is um more of a dream thing obviously but yeah that that whole ending thing is 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 pretty cool and but the whole idea of the first one i, I can't yeah it, i think it was like an earpiece that the woman wore in the tales and darks episode that made her think the food was talking to her and but this girl who you know gets a a babysitting gig at her old place and she's very She's very passive about it because she has some bad memories at her old place, because she used to be heavy, and uh, of course these kids are really shitty. You gotta love that and the whole idea. They, these kids love junk food and all. They had like a bag of chips laying around the house, and that was that was like her trigger to eat this bag of chips. And of course they had to hilariously say she's gonna get fat again. She's gonna eat everything in the house because they had to make it cartoonish without making it cartoonish and. That that whole thing, and I gotta say the creature effects, because eventually she turns into like this fucking super beast, you know, for nineteen eighty nine low budget to no budget, you know, filmmaking. The creature effects look pretty cool. I I gotta say when she becomes the monster, the 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 big fat monster that you know is gonna eat the children, and that that's that's pretty cool. And I just um overall, like they said, it was it was it was a. Um, it was a decent episode, you know, in in two parts because, you know, Timothy Bottoms is the father of these kids, but it's not really connected to the first story, it, just a, a little bit. I think there's an idea of he doesn't want the kids to turn out like the babysitter or something. I, I forget now. It, it's, it's it's so inconsequential to the first story. But um, this is one that you could like both parts of, and but they don't really connect. But they, that's the problem along I'll, I'll the lines of a lot of these, and... But, but, um, all in all, episode 19, Missing Persons, was, was pretty enjoyable. Um, you, we'll, we'll, go, I'm sorry, dog, Tom? The dog bowl, the huh? dog bowl she was eating out of said Freddy on it. Said what? Well, said <laughs> Freddy? Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Mario Brothers thing, I guess it predates, you know, them illegally using the power glove in <laughs> <and> Freddy's Dead. <laughs> but, um, this might have been around the same time, um... I can look this up. I'm gonna look it up right now. Um, somebody else talk for about 40, 40 seconds or, or whatever the long you want to talk about. Um, anything else to talk about the episode? Go for it. I'm gonna look this yeah. up first.
2: Okay. Well, the first half of it, it actually had to stop and go look up the title of the book because I read it, you know, two summers ago. It was a book from the mid '70s called "Let's Go Play at the Adams," where these kids in this neighborhood absolutely terrorize this babysitter and that's kind of what got me thinking about the first part of the episode but it was it was just almost a little too comical and keep having that the that book in the back of my head so i think i just um, for reasons not the episode's fault i just really didn't care too much for that for the first half but that's just my thoughts
1: no, uh, I was checking on the NES video game, the Nightmare on Elm Street one. It didn't come out until like a year and a half later. Um, so I thought that maybe like that had come out, so they have some kind of like relationship with Nintendo. But they were playing some real deal Super Mario Brothers in the in the thing, so they must have had some some money for licensing, or they were trying to push uh, push the Nintendo there. But I had to look it up to see when the game came out. That terrible video game. <laughs> but um. All in all, it's a good time, and I we, we, we're gonna go kick it to ratings now, and I'll kick it to Mike first. Is it a? Uh, do we keep it in the boiler room, dude? How's this work now? We do keep it in I the think boiler. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Yeah, it's the best one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> welcome to Primetime. time. is a recap, well, yeah, well, yeah. Welcome to Primetime, bitch. Is is the best. Keep it in the boiler is is uh, middle of the road. And the dog piss resurrection is, is the is the worst of the worst. Burn so- it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um for me, you know, going by the Freddy Nightmares standard, it's uh gonna be welcome to prime time, bitch. Because I enjoyed both halves of this and that's kinda rare for this series. So yeah, this one's getting a high ranking. Cool. Suzanne.
2: You know, as much as I really don't care for the first half of this, considering a lot of the other episodes that we've seen, it I don't think the transition is as smooth, but I will say it's one of the more solid ones. So, yeah, we'll welcome to Primetime, bitch!
1: Yeah, I no, will follow that. But then I welcome to Primetime, bitch, because uh, this, this, this is the winner for you guys to check out. And there's a... Uh... Yeah, it it's good. I I say check it out. Uh we're going to move on now to episode 20 of season 1, which is called The Light at the End of the Tunnel. Uh this premiered on May 13th, 1989. Uh your your plot synopses cuz these are connected but but you know, by very very small thread. Uh a man tries to overcome his fear of the dark after getting a job in the, in the sewer. And um this is this is inaccurate, it's just a regular video store. This is a pornographic store owner becomes trapped in his own nightmares. Uh it's just the video store that the mom works at from the first story. Or the, the the wife works at the first story, I mean. I'm getting the moms were this up now. Um Dick Miller shows up in this, which is fun. Uh Suzanne, yeah, give us some give us some love here on the Light of the End of the Tunnel.
2: Ah! You know, this one was actually kind of fun. I I really did enjoy this one a lot more than I want to admit to. And, you know, I was kind of seeing Dick Miller pop up. Although I do have some issues. In the first half, he had to have the light on. And she was like, I have to leave. I have to go get some sleep. How about going and getting on the couch? Okay, you can sit, lay in the dark, there. You know, I kind of get it. I think we've all had our moments where we're just not all that fond of being in the dark. I mean, this guy took it a few steps way too far, but just go sleep on the couch. Kick him out. He can go turn on all the lights in the living room. Problem solved. It was just, it was just that one little thing that just kind of aggravated the hell out of me. And she was making such a big deal about it. And the second half of this episode, yeah, I saw the whole, I was reading the synopsis and like, not a pornographic store. He was kind of handing stuff under the counter to people so they wouldn't go to another place. But I actually, this one, I really enjoyed this segment. I This guy was just basically a shitheel, ripping off whoever he could, not paying bills, you know, art of the deal shit. And how many times you want to do a shot when he said that? Um, I th- think it was, you know a cautionary tale because a lot of people don't think about when you're screwing somebody else over, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. And well, occasionally you're going to have to pay for your errors. The second part I think was just way more enjoyable. I liked seeing this guy just be trapped in his own nightmare. And I, I just wish they could have, you know, amped up some of the nightmare stuff instead of having his mom and his dad cut his winky off and stuff like that. I just, it was fun. It was, this one was really good. I loved seeing Dick Miller in the first half. The albino alligator was funny as shit. I'm sorry. And it was, all, all in all, it was pretty enjoyable. This one was, yeah, like I said, it was enjoyable.
0: Mike. Yeah, so the first half of this one, it was almost kind of like bordering on it, like being like a creature feature in a way, um, with the alligator kept showing up in that whole dynamic. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I thought they did that effectively sometimes, you know, just using parts of it, because obviously, uh, for the TV show's budget, you're not going to get this huge, you know, uh, expensive monster, but they did what they could to try to work their way around it. um, Like, like Suzanne mentioned Dick Miller. Always fun to see him in whatever he does, um, and I, of course, like the whole you know afraid of the dark stuff. That's another common thing in horror. Um, the second half, yeah, I, I did like the trapped uh, within a dream, kind of like the Groundhog Day scenario. But in your dream, uh, you wake up and you think you're out of it, but nope, you're still stuck in there. Thought it was cool. The guy antagonizing him was kind of hilarious watching that and especially as it gets closer to the end of the episode when you think, okay, finally he might be out of it. And they'll kind of tease you a little bit that, Oh, look, he's, he's going to do what he has to do to get out of it. But nope, still gets stuck in the dream. Pretty good stuff. Um, but yeah, overall I found this another enjoyable episode. I I, I liked it pretty, pretty, pretty much pretty decently.
1: Yeah. A quick note here, the guy that, uh, wrote and directed this episode is Jonathan, R. B- B- Butyl? I don't know how you pronounce his last name but this guy um he wrote some pretty neat stuff he, he worked a lot on this show he did his producer is a lot of episodes but he wrote um Last Starfighter and uh My Science Project from, from the 80s so he had he had a small career there doing doing that stuff but um nice those are two winners for me and I I think this what this episode here is is mostly decent. I mean, you got this guy who's, you know, I, 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 I as Suzanne, you know, date women that, that that I love. You, know, you, 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 you're working. You don't slap him around. This guy uh, love to lay around and bitch. He's afraid of the dark. And uh, I, I wish Suzanne, make that motherfucker go sleep in the fucking living room. You know, she, she's got to she's got to work this dingy part time job at this video store. That this guy's a, is a shitheel. Of course he should go to work. He's a man. He she, she should go to work. You know and Gets this job in the darkest place possible, this sewer, and and runs into runs a of many things in the sewer that 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 are his fears. Or are they real? Or are they not? This is Freddy's nightmare. Say so you don't know people, and I like that aspect of this guy who's just a piece of shit who don't want to work, uh, be being stuck in his worst nightmare. And you know, I I just like that the whole him working in the sewer and Dick Miller being nonchalant about him. His fears, and like just go down there and he 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 puts the the albino alligator, like, he meant, like you mentioned, guys mentioned, and he gets more and more stuff happening to him in the sewer, and it's, it's it's just more fun because the guy's the guy's no good, so you want bad stuff to happen to him and for him to be afraid and so yeah, the second half the guy the the shit heel boss of of the, the the wife in this in the first part is the is the main focus in this one, and he Stuff that happens, or where he's gonna get sued or something, and this 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 um, African American gentleman shows up and serves him papers, and the whole time, all this stuff keeps happening to him. And it, it, is this guy the devil? Because you don't really know. He just it's like like keep on messing with him to get his own personal hell. But then again, you have this guy who's not a very nice guy. He's mean to the homeless. He's mean to his security guard. Is it with the with the with the braids and. And He's mean to everybody, so you you want bad stuff to happen to him. And so this is like this episode here is like you know what, B- bad stuff happens to bad people, and this guy who <laughs> dresses like uh, I guess a nineteen seventies white pimp, I guess, and uh, working at this video store, and he, he looks like a piece of slime. And you, you, you kind of say, yeah, you want bad stuff to happen. And I love the persistence of our, our uh, of our. I guess our devil in this episode, he just keeps messing with me. He's right there every time he thinks it's over. And, and it's, it's just a good time that this whole thing, I like this one better than the first one, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that the first one's bad. This one is, is kind of like more cohesive because it's got two shit heels that you don't root for that. You want bad stuff to happen to them. And I just love the, the, the set pieces in the first part of it, and, you know, the slides in the sewer and him falling everywhere. And that, that that's like, this is what would happen in your nightmare. If you're afraid of sewers and creatures and just the dark in general, what's the worst possible job you could have? You go work underground and this is like his worst nightmare. And I think the second one's a little, the second part's a little weaker in that sense, but, <coughs> uh, but all, all top notch though. I, I i have a great time with this episode. Um, I'll, uh, Chick to to Michael. Uh, anything else to say about the episode uh, that he may have noticed? That um, go for it, brother.
0: Uh just you know, good smooth transition between both parts. Um, what else can I say? Yeah, dude, I I just love the dude that was antagonizing him, getting him to sign over half his wealth, and then even that didn't really seal the deal totally. Um, I just like how it played out. It, it was it was a very bizarre. Like, um, when you get shows like this. A lot of times, you know, they they just kind of go for it in certain episodes as far as, like, ambitious ideas. And I felt like this one, they were shooting for the scope, like, over the budget grade of what they could really handle, and they didn't care. Because, <laughs> like, some of the sequences with the, with the main guy and um, maybe the devil... Um, they're just more funny than anything, but it, it kind of worked because when you're dealing with like dreams and dream logic, there doesn't need to be very, very many rules. And that's something I've always fought with people about. Not, I mean, not pretending to this show specifically, but just in any any movies dealing with dreams. It's like, well, you tell me that there's no real rules of dreams, and everyone should know that kind of by their own experience. When you're dreaming, it really feels like everything's off limits. Like. Any structure from one dream doesn't carry over to the next dream necessarily. So I thought the wackiness of it actually worked because it was all in the confines of this dude's never ending trapped dream sequences. So um, I thought they did well with what they, you know, with the resources they could. And yeah, I had fun with it.
1: Suzanne. You no,
2: know, I, I agree. And honestly, I have to admit, Dick Miller was kind of cracking me up. Because I swear to God, I kept hearing him do some Ed Norton shit. I was just waiting for Ralph Cramden to pop out of nowhere. I think the bit of tongue-in-cheek humor played really well in this episode. This is for me, and I had no idea that that, you know, writer had done actually one of my favorite movies growing up. I always loved My Science Project. It was another one that I just I'd probably burned myself out on it. I watched it every time it was on. But like I said, this one was actually a, one of, I'm going to say, the best episodes that they ever did. And I think the, the, the shoestring parallel between the two, I think it worked in its favor. You know, you don't have this whole long story as to how they're in the next one. It's basically just a, a plot device. So this one is damn good. Damn good episode.
1: Like I said, they not really a stinker amongst these two, and I, I, I agree with everything they said, and you guys should should check it out, because it's very fun, the characters are very unlikable, so you want bad things to happen, like I said, so, just, uh, it's the perfect blend of, of you know, oh no, why is this happening to a good person, because it's not in this episode, you, you, they're both, they're both kind of heels, and you want bad stuff to happen to them, so, Yay! um ratings now mike what do you give this particular episode the light at the end of the tunnel
0: you know i wasn't sure what i was going to give it when we were talking about it but I, the more i reflected listening to you guys the more i'm realizing like i really liked it too like it i kind of like it more now than when i was actually watching just kind of reflecting on it and hearing what other people have to say so i'm gonna make this a very productive episode and say another welcome to prime time bitch
1: cool Suzanne. Same
2: thing. Welcome to Primetime Bitch. I think this from everything we've seen so far, I think this is one of the best efforts. Like I said, I the fact that there was just that tiny little thread between the two, I think really worked in its favor.
1: Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you because I got nothing to complain about really. Um especially as far as this show goes a uh, Light at the end of the tunnel uh, season 1 episode 20 is a welcome to prime time bitch from all three hosts and I think that um, it, it, both these episodes wouldn't be a bad time for you if you love ninety uh, late, late 80's early 90's anthologies and you want to uh, have a good time with two episodes right in a row uh, episodes 19 and 20 of the first season are episodes for you but uh, coming up on the next episode episode 21 and 22 of the first season we're going to close out the first season with identity crisis which feature, features jeff conaway and a uh, a connection to, to uh the Bride war red episode our, our friend diane franklin There's a connection to it um that's pretty funny actually your plot synopsis is an ex hippie played by jeff conaway who still values peace and love above all else cross crosswise with his son and his money but his money obsessed boss um his son is also is is in another eighties classic, Real Genius, um, played by Gabriel Jarrett, who uh, plays the young, young Mitch for, from uh, from Real Genius. Um, second part, of course, is two parts. These episodes, of course, there is a teen, Kimberly Cates, who shares nothing with her mother, asks point blank if she was adopted, and does not receive the answer she was looking for. Ah, uh, the fun connection is Kimberly Cates is the the this, the the other princess in, in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So that's the the Diane Franklin connection. So, um, episode twenty two, Safe Sex. Uh, a teenager is in love with a goth girl who is obsessed with Freddy Krueger, and soon enough, the teenager is plagued with dreams involving Freddy. So we might get some some Robert England uh, in this episode besides him being the Crypt Keeper. On uh, the second half, the goth girl is tormented by the man of her dreams. Uh, I don't know if that's Freddy, too. We're going to find out. <laughs> uh, let's see who stars in that one real fast. Just to just click on it real fast. Uh, thank you, INDB, for this. Nobody I really recognize is in this episode, so <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, The storyline for INDB is two virginal teenagers lust after a goth girl who's obsessed with Freddy Krueger. And the keywords are sex scene and dominatrix, so it might be a real sexy time next time, guys. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Mike. Um, what do you have coming up, sir?
0: I well, I had to click the uh, uh, the unmute button three times. Um, <laughs> my aim was off, I guess. Um, I have well, let's see. The next episode of Fresh Cuts recording should be this upcoming week. Uh, it's going to be our top 10 of 2021 show. So as you can imagine, most of my time between now and then is cramming in as many 2021 movies as I can. Although I am really trying to reach out to people with recommendations because I'm kind of in that last period of time where I just don't want to waste my time on stuff that I don't think would, you know, at least be considered for the list or at least be an honorable mention level of movie. Um, and that's, you know, during most of the year, it doesn't matter if something sounds interest to me, interesting to me, I'm going to watch it. It's just now it's like now if I'm watching a movie with like only a few days left, if I'm like, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes into it, I'm just like, damn, I need to spend my time on something that I that might actually nudge into the list. um So that's coming up. And no more room in hell. The next episode will be uh, Mad Love. With Peter Lorre and body parts. And the theme for that episode is, like, Off With Your Hands, Volume 1. Although I guess body parts is technically the whole arm, right? (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: The arm, the
1: parts are alive. I I don't know. It's a weird... Peter
0: Lorre in one movie and Jeff Fahey in the other.
1: There's some weird twists in body parts that I happen to love.
0: Oh, yeah. It definitely... it feels like a decent, like, standard story until that third act when some more reveals happen. You're just like, oh, shit. Well, you know, I guess if you're making a movie like this, that's kind of what you aim to do is kind of make it more over the top as it goes. But, but it's God. it's fun.
1: Like when somebody asked me, like, what's your top three favorite holiday horror films? I said, well, you think I'm going to say Silent did the Night part one, but it's actually part five because we get to the twist. And I'm not going to give this away if you've never seen it before. <laughs> It, it goes some places. And I love it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, we just watched that on NFW, yeah. and because I, I think they were trying to do what Carpenter originally wanted to do with the Halloween series—just have a different story set during Halloween. In this one, pretty much, there's very little in common with any of the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies, and I think that maybe that's what they were going for—a different, you know, Christmas themed horror story. Yeah, just makes sense.
1: Well, that's, that's one of my favorite parts of that series. One of my favorite parts of the ghoulies series is that every, every, every installment is, is just different for, for, I don't know, by, by crazy sakes. And, uh, the rumor that Jim Wynorski made part, he made part four, that is very true. But he said, you know what? I don't want those little creatures in my movie. You know, they don't want to see those things. He replaced them with two midgets and in, in fursuits. And uh, <laughs> I say, yep, that's White Orsky, you know. But yeah, this has been Freddy's night. This has been burning for Springwood. Uh, Freddy's nightmares retrospective. We're gonna move on to the end of the next, the end of the first season with the next episode. Like I said, you wanna know why? Yeah. Because the man gave us his endorsement, so we have to. We have to finish now. Is this, this is true. You heard the beginning of the episode, you yeah. know. He was real excited when I said it. Hey, we're, we're doing this Freddy's Nightmare show. Can you give me a soundbite? And Robert did it for free, y'all. Let's put it that way. Robert don't do nothing for free. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. This has been the show. Burning for Springwood. I'm saying this again because I'm tired, and you know I feel like I'm lady drunk like Suzanne, but I'm not. But um, <laughs> um, we'll see you all again in the boiler room. Bye-bye now. Later. Bye.